Hello, it's Paul Scott here, uh, small caps blogger, investor, commentator. I did my... Oh, it's Sunday, 18th of June, 2023. I think I've fixed the sound problems. I'm really, really sorry about the terrible audio quality on last week's part two. Part one was okay. Anyway, I've shifted to a different computer, which I freshly reinstalled Windows on, and I've closed all the other windows, I think. Let's just double-check. And uh, yes, I have. And it seems to be all right. So fingers crossed. And thanks for all the suggestions on Twitter and elsewhere for new microphones and things. But it turns out the problem wasn't the microphone. Anyway, pushing on. So this is just news and views that I've jotted down on my pad this week on the economy and the markets generally. Uh, So it's just in a bullet point format, um, unstructured, otherwise it would take me too long to plan the podcast. So let's just, I've got a whole page of interesting points this week, so let's crack on. Now, I was watching the TV the other day and it struck me how many of the television ads on ITV are relying on venture capital-backed startup type businesses. So examples, I would say, is Cinch, um, I think there's another, there are quite a few of these challenger second-hand car companies online. Motorway, I think, is another one. There's loads of them. Also, HelloFresh and these packaged food companies. I think probably most of these, if not all of them, um, probably go bust. So what impact is that going to have on the TV ad side of things? I know Roland was talking about ITV on uh, an excellent podcast he did with Paul Hill on Vox Markets. Have a look at that. This is very interesting. He mentions mainly mid-cap stocks. I did look at ITV myself recently, ITV shares, and uh, it does look cheap, I have to say. Interesting share. Although I did pick up that the pension contributions, the cash recovery payments, are really substantial. I think they're about 60-odd million a year, so that's a, a big drag. And as I say, my main point here is I'm wondering if... Advertising revenues could dry up further as these, uh, you know, VC-backed challenger-type businesses fall by the wayside one by one, which seems likely. Now, AI. okay, this is a huge theme at the moment, isn't it, with investors? I don't pretend to understand it. If anybody's got any links to any good videos that run through and explain what it is, how it works where it might uh, go that would be really useful because i'm i'm struggling to understand it i mean the concept from what i can gather seems to be um analyzing very large amounts of data uh and then a computer program sort of learning from the data um but i'd like to know more what type of applications it could be used for i mean i saw a a TV article, uh, sorry, a TV program about using AI in um, medicine for analysing scans. You know, which you scan the the patient for 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 to see if they've got any cancer cancerous growths, and a clinician you know, reviews the scans by eye and using their experience they spot. Well, apparently now they're using AI to look in in greater detail and spot the smaller tumours. Well, that sort of thing, surely that's what we've been using computers to do that sort of thing for for a long time, Um, you know, as a productivity aid to analyse things. I don't know. And I've made a note here. Is AI a fad? Could it destroy itself? So I've got... (laughs) 
I can't remember what article that was about. I normally make a note next to it of what the source was, but I didn't on that on that side of things. I think I meant maybe an investing fad. Um, <clears throat> maybe investors are chasing um, some of these shares too high. I mean, Nvidia's been staggering, hasn't it? Gone from a hundred p to four uh, hundred whatever dollars to four hundred dollars or something. Six hundred billion dollar increase in market cap, almost in a vertical line going up. That's what, absolutely incredible. So uh, well done to people who, who spotted that one and got lucky as well. <laughs> uh, a lot of it's luck with investment, isn't it, really? Now, moving on, this was interesting. I picked this up from the Propel newsletter on hospitality, which is always a good read every day. There's not going to be a recession in the UK now this year, according to KPMG um, and and the CBI They've both revised upwards UK GDP. KPMG is going with 0.3%, so only very modest growth, but it's still growth. And the CBI up, they're saying GDP will be up 0.4% in 2023. They were previously saying it would be down 0.4%. So that's quite a significant upward revision by both KPMG and the CBI. Quite interesting, I thought. Now, every week I have a rant about central banks raising interest rates far too quickly and now too high as well, I think, uh, which I very much remains my view. I think they're, they're, they're courting with, with disaster, basically, what they're doing. I think it's totally inept, given that inflation has not been caused by an overheating economy at all. As we can see from the G- GDP numbers, it's been caused by supply shocks, and it's already reducing and uh, much, much larger falls in inflation are already in the pipeline. You can see that just from looking at uh, at commodity prices. Well, anyway, this has led to some comments both from friends uh, that I met over lunch the other day and also from some Stockopedia subscribers who are saying, well, hang on a minute, you know, um, savers are now ben- benefiting from higher interest rates, which obviously they are big time, Um but savers have been subsidising borrowers for the last 15 years. And, of course, they're, they're right. That's absolutely true. So I do want to emphasise and clarify, I'm not sort of casting any moral judgment over where interest rates should be. I'm just saying that moving them for, from zero for 15 years up to sort of now it looks like we're going to be at 5 or 6% in, 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 you know, almost a vertical line upwards when you zoom out on the chart, I think is just too reckless. I think it's happening much too quickly and there are going to be serious consequences from this. I think it was Paul Jordan who was saying that interest rate rises take 12 to 18 months to actually have an effect and it's, you know, a slow and gradual effect as people's mortgage fixes finish and so on on largely a, a sort of random basis, really. And I think that's right. So why the central banks would be constantly jacking, 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 raising, 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 when we haven't seen what impact the existing raises have had, says to me this could be a this could be a huge spike up in interest rates. They'll crash the economy and then they'll have to come all the way back down again. Who knows? But anyway, I think it's all a complete mess. I think the decision-making is ludicrous. It's a sledgehammer being applied to something where we don't even know what the effect's going to be. So I'm very, very worried about interest rates. But savers are obviously benefiting. And maybe that's why the cruise ship shares have been shooting up. I see Carnival, even though it's got a massive amount of debt... Carnival shares have, have really shot up recently. Maybe it's because older people are now getting... Uh, they're the people with the savings, aren't they, statistically? 
on average. Maybe they're now splashing out on cruises and helping the next generation. Remember, a lot of grandparents and parents really significantly help the younger generations with house deposits. But also, you often see people out having a multi-generational meal or birthday celebration, and you think, I bet the grandparents are paying for that. Do you know what I mean? So more affluent pensioners could see certain sectors that serve the pensioners uh, uh, do a lot better. And I noticed that Saga shares have been very bombed out. I'm not really closely following Saga because the turnaround there has just been far too slow. I don't think it's well managed. And... um, but I think they're down to about pound twenty, and, you know, you, you with richer pensioners, I would have thought maybe this is an interesting time to, to buy back into Saga. I think I'm talking myself into buying back into it, actually. And the last set of numbers were OK. The debt is, is manageable. Uh, it's got enough... Uh, I've always said that, and I, I'm, I'm right on that point. Unless, unless it moves heavily into losses, then the debt is manageable. If it moves heavily into losses, then all bets are off, and I wouldn't go near Saga. So, um, but based on the current figures, um, but it should be doing... It, it, you know, the debt is not uh, uh, um, a severe risk, providing it remains profitable. That's because of the way the bank covenants are set up. Uh, and and the bank covenants link to the even though there's nothing drawn down from the bank facility, the uh, uh, after a lot of digging, I discovered that the facilities on the bonds at Saga are linked to the bank covenant. So anyway, uh, maybe some might be worth a fresh look at Saga, given that we've now got much much more affluent pensioners in terms of interest income on their savings. Anyway. Um, uh, what have we got here? Uh, oh, annuities are back, according to The Telegraph. There was a very interesting article there, which I read through and did a little bit of research on, of my own on. Now, it's saying that hundred grand will now buy an, an annuity paying 7300 a year. Although, on closer inspection, it turns out that's not an index-linked one. So, obviously, the buying power of your 7.3k would gradually whittle away. And if inflation remains high, it would quite rapidly whittle away. So, as usual, with um, with newspaper articles, it's not as simple as the headline makes out. Apparently, 16,000 people bought annuities in Q1 of this year in the UK. Um and you can get apparently a com- with your with your sip you can have a combination of an annuity and a drawdown sip which looks quite interesting so i think annuities which have basically been dead now haven't they for quite a few years in zero interest rate environment um are coming back and might be worth a fresh look <coughs> i think when my uh, pension goes into drawdown i might do this combination approach buy an annuity just to give me a basic income um, for index links annuities, the numbers were quite a lot lower. I think it was nearer four thousand a year for each hundred thousand, so that's less attractive. But you are getting an inflationary increase each year. Uh, that was quite interesting. Now, Telegraph, I've said here, hopeless forecasters. This is on GDP again. <coughs> I just want to really emphasise that we shouldn't be giving any credence to any economic forecasts because they're all useless at it. Um, The IMF, for example, as the Telegraph gleefully pointed out, predicted a UK recession and that the Eurozone would remain growing. And the actual opposite has happened. The UK has remained growing and the Eurozone has now gone into a a formal recession. But the numbers are tiny. They're rounding errors. The UK's plus 0.1%. The Eurozone's minus 0.1%. So I don't think we should be getting too carried away or too smug 
about that, but it really does emphasise how I think forecasters have preconceived ideas that inevitably find their way into the variables in their model, so they produce the outcome that they that they want to produce, or that the person paying for the forecast wants to hear. So that's why I put virtually no store on any economic forecasts. Now, Sky reported that UK unemployment has fallen unexpectedly from 3.9% to 3.8%. I'm, I'm quite surprised at that, but again, that's pretty much a rounding error, isn't it? But employment should be... Uh, and unemployment should be things that are easy to measure because you know there's there's, there's hard data on that, isn't it? Uh, the source data was the ONS, um, and wages were excluding bonuses were up seven point two percent in the UK in the three months to April. Um, previously, that's up because it was previously six point eight percent. But the reason for that is obviously in April. All the big increase is in benefits and minimum wage happened. So that's why there's been a big jump in UK wages. And also excluding bonuses, I think, is no good because a lot of employers I've heard are paying staff larger bonuses as a way of helping them with the cost of living, but without ratcheting up the base salaries. So I think we should, I'd like to see the number including bonuses. Uh now, oh, what's here? Company-specific, again on employment, RWA, which is Robert Walters' group, put out a, a profit warning, which sounded quite mild. I mentioned that in the Part 1 podcast yesterday. But actually, the broker forecasts have reduced earnings estimates by a third, which is quite a big downward move. Um, although Robert Walters is mainly international, I think the UK is only about 20% of its business. The rest is Europe and Far East. But it does seem to suggest that recruitment is slowing, at least in Europe and Asia. So I'm obviously wary about the staffing sector. But as uh, we were getting conflicting data. This is the trouble, isn't it? Because, as I mentioned, the ONS and Sky reported that unemployment in the UK has fallen and is very, very low anyway internationally. And I looked at labour participation rates on a website called Trading Economics. And it turns out, according to them, the UK has got the third highest labour participation in the G7, which again seems to conflict with something a friend of mine, Paul, was saying, where he was saying that uh, the UK's got a large number of people out of the workforce on long-term sick. So I don't know. I'd have to do more research on this. But again, we're getting conflicting data, aren't we? Um... Oh, here we are. The ONS commented again on the resilience of the UK economy uh, not going into recession so far this year and not expected to. Uh, I think it speculated that people might be using some of their pandemic savings to deal with the extra energy and food bills um, and maybe not cutting back on other things as much as we might have expected. So that was quite an interesting thing, wasn't it? Because I think, uh, if memory serves me correctly, it was reported that UK households had enforced savings, as they call it, of about £150 when people accumulated their furlough money and couldn't spend it on holidays, eating out, or anything like on experiences at all. And people's bank accounts piled up, and we all bought loads of crap on the internet. And but also saved money apparently, and they reckon the ONS reckons that might be partly why the UK economy is is more resilient than expected, and that that stacks up, doesn't it? That sounds reasonable. Now the over to America. I don't follow America that closely at all, but the Fed have paused on interest rates. 
um, to see what impact the existing rises have had, but I think they've indicated they would resume in raising interest rates possibly later this year. But surely pausing makes sense, doesn't it, after such big and aggressive rate, uh, rate hikes, and I, I hope we see that in the UK as well. Now, the banking crisis, has it passed? I don't know, answers on a postcard, but we don't seem to have had any more uh, uh, any more hysteria about banks failing so that's quite interesting now the big uh, the big float that was going to happen in london we soda some sort of industrial products company i think turkish owned or something anyway it's cancelled its uk listing which um, it's it re- reading reading a few articles on this it seems to have just purely been down to price uk investors institutions were not prepared prepared to pay the sort of price that the owners wanted so uh, they've pulled the uk listing i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing you know do we want a load of overpriced stuff being floated again we've seen where that's led in the past i'd like to see the uk just yes having some some fresh ipos but just sensible companies at sensible prices uh, and if and if people can achieve higher prices on their floats in America, they're obviously going to go to America, aren't they? So and good luck to them. I don't think it's, I don't think we should be re- lowering our regulation in particular to attract more floats. It's all about price, isn't it? At the end of the day, uh, which brought me on to I looked at Peel Hunt shares in the other podcast. Um, P E E L looks quite cheap. I think well, very, it's very well supported by net cash on the balance sheet actually, and I do think some of these brokers are so bombed out now that they're worth a fresh look as as contrarian buys for very cyclical businesses. FinCap shares are incredibly low as well. I know IPO the IPO market's absolutely dead at the moment. Um, I think were they merging with Sencos or did I imagine that? I can't remember. Anyway, I do think these things are worth having a look at, with a focus on, are they going to go bust? I don't think any of them are. I think, from memory, FinCap's balance sheet was pretty good as well. They have to be for regulatory purposes, don't they? So I think it's worth having a look at the brokers again at some point to anticipate a recovery that might be six months, 12 months away. But the shares, of course, all bottom out, don't they, well before recoveries. Now, what's that? This, the Telegraph uh, had an article about the EU's financial stability, uh, uh, which was quite interesting. And it, it made several points that demand for bank mortgages is plummeting in the EU. Well, no shit, Sherlock. You know, interest rates have gone through the roof. So, yes, demand for mortgages will fall, won't it, as affordability recedes. Um, the money supply is collapsing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it when they uh, use words like that. In the Eurozone, apparently, M1 is down 11% since November 22. I don't... I, do, I remember vaguely studying all this at uni, but oh, I can't remember the differences between M1, M3 and all that. But anyway, different measures of money supply. It's complicated. And the Telegraph uh, questions, is the Eurozone heading for disinflation? And producer prices are falling across Europe. This is interesting, isn't it? We're, on the one hand, you, know, you hear some commentators saying that inflation is now really sticky. And uh, I think one of, the, one of the banks, or the Bank of England or something, said it wouldn't fall in the UK properly until 2025. And then other commentators are saying inflation could go negative because input prices are falling so much. So we're just getting so much conflicting data and views. I don't know what to think about the future it's very very difficult to predict isn't it and it's fine to say it you i don't know 
So um, we'll just have to see what happens. Now, the UK bounces back to GDP growth in April. Um, Apparently, now, bars, pubs and shops saw more spending in April. Although some commentators were saying it was just a bounce back from the negative figure in March. But I think think certainly the... You know, I follow the hospitality sector quite closely. My second and third largest positions are in that XP factory and... Uh, revolution bars respectively so and we're seeing quite some quite strong figures coming out from pubs and the hospitality sector so i do think that sector is interesting at the moment i looked at which one was it uh city pubs uh, had a, an upbeat outlook and i also looked at fuller smith and turner which, uh, had very very good current trading like for likes up 13 percent um so don't dismiss the, the the hospitality sector. I think there are there could well be bargains in there. Anyway, although it's very difficult to make money at all in that sector because they've borne the brunt of all the input cost and the wage rises and all the rest of it. But that could then provide a platform where you know profits then subsequently uh, recover over the next few years. Who knows? Now, um, Norcross NXR Bathroom Fittings Group. We talked about this, and a reader flagged up the difficulties of buying Chinese-made products. It's completely dependent on China for its production. Um, I'm worried about this China risk, given the deteriorating relations with the West and the the temptation to onshore to get production to lower-cost areas closer to your home markets. So I think we do need to think about China risk, but I mentioned that in the other podcast. Now, going back to AI... One journalist, I didn't note down who, suggested this could be the problem to the West's productivity problems. As we know, particularly the UK seems to have a real productivity crisis. It may be because all we do is sell each other cups of coffee (laughs) rather than making things. Uh, And so maybe, um, but maybe AI could give that shot in the arm and make businesses um, much more productive. I think that's a very interesting angle on things. Anything that improves productivity, obviously, is what drives long-term GDP growth. Um, now, O'Day funds, Crispin O'Day. Uh, I'm not going to comment on on the, um, the, the 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 whole grubby business of these um, allegations against him. Um, but the interesting thing, I mentioned this in the other po- podcast, fourth selling. Um, and Oxford Biodynamics in particular was hit hard by this OBD and also I bought some Pendragon PDG on the basis of a spike down on forced selling then what do we got here oh yes I picked up on Thursday that the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq are at 14 month highs but there doesn't seem to be that much market breadth apparently it's big tech that are really driving the indices higher so maybe we need to be a bit careful of about extrapolating too much from that. Um, but of course, eventually, where America goes, the British markets tend to follow, don't they? So, UK small caps, it's the opposite. We're still really in the doldrums, at or near the recent lows. So, uh, I don't know. Some, I, I think there were some signs of life this week. I have to say, I monitor about 100 small caps in real time. And you start to, you, I'm starting to feel that there may be our signs of life, and quite a, the better quality ones, small caps in the UK do seem to be trying to find a bottom, and you're getting some quite nice rebounds on some of them. The big question is whether those rebounds hold, hold which in many cases they haven't done. 
we've had false dawns over the last year when they've when they've rallied strongly and a lot of people just just sell into the rally which makes sense doesn't it now sterling strength <laughs> didn't expect myself to be saying saying that but i again i follow sterling because it's a wide economic influence and it's getting stronger and stronger isn't it we're now up to about 128 against the dollar which of course it is as the stronger sterling gets against the dollar the better that is for reducing UK inflation after a time lag where the hedges expire but of course people will be hedging now at 128 128.5 and so on so this could get really interesting it's very stable against the euro the pound is but uh, much more volatile against the dollar um what do readers think is strong stronger sterling a good thing or um you know it makes imports cheaper but it makes uk businesses less competitive of course uh people using lockdown savings we've already covered that oh now the trans argument uh wicks waded into this uh, i've covered this in the other po- podcast but i do think companies need to stay out of anything socially or politically or religiously controversial even though yes they've been misquoted and so on now that's the trouble though you can't control what journalists write so if you agree to be interviewed by a journalist you can often find that the the message can get really garbled and you don't have any um, approval over the final copy so you know if you put yourself up for uh, for interviewing or you go to some conference or some really off the wall obscure conference you might well get misquoted your message may not come out as you wanted to so it's just dangerous to do this stuff at all and as i said on the other podcast yes to inclusivity and diversity as long as you know the best people for the job are still getting the job but give everyone the same opportunities. Of course, you know, I want inclusivity and diversity. But I think companies need to be a bit careful not to um, overcook it and do too much virtue signalling, which goes down like a lead balloon with a lot of customers. So, you know, be careful is my key message to companies. Now, um, oh, semiconductors. Um, I covered this in Friday's Small Cap Value Report. Uh, Supply is now stabilising and um, shortages are subsiding and some industry participants, this was a survey, I think an article by KPMG, who, you know, know what they're talking about. They surveyed the semiconductor companies, the larger ones, I think, and a lot of them are now expecting a surplus in 2023. So that's very interesting, isn't it? So all these supply chain problems are melting away. I think, and you've got cheap container freight now. So a lot of businesses have got a very, you know, the tailwinds of last year are now really nice, sorry, the headwinds of last year, and now on supply chain and costs, are now turning into some really quite helpful tailwinds. So, which could offset weaker customer demand. So I think this is, supply chain is getting very interesting now as a positive thing. Now, what's this on Twitter? Oh, UBS. This is tweeted out by Donald Pond, who I follow. Uh, Oh, now they were saying they're expecting UK inflation on the CPI measure to fall to 2.2%. Now, again, other other big banks have been saying they they expect UK inflation to remain high and sticky. I thought this was interesting. UBS came out and said the opposite. They're expecting it to fall to 2.2%. So again, which would then mean, of course, interest rates could come right down. And if interest rates, if what we're seeing at the moment is an interest rate spike and they're going to come back down 
to say 2 or 3%, maybe even lower, then this is a great time to be locking in some fixed income on higher yields, isn't it? I don't know. I'm leaning towards thinking that's credible, actually. Um, what else could be a catalyst for UK interest rates falling? Well, if the if the US starts cutting rates, you know, the UK, the central banks can maybe say, well, inflation is now falling rapidly. You know, sterling's getting too strong. Let's reduce interest rates in the UK. I don't know. But again, I think you've got absolute Muppets in control of this at the Bank of England. I want no time at all for Andrew Bailey. I think he's a fool. And, you know, these people have no democratic accountability whatsoever. It's an absolute mess. The whole mandate needs to be changed after this crisis is over. I know I say that every week. Um, But, um, you know, yeah, I think if you can get a fairly low risk or hardly any risk at all, yield of 7 or 8% at the moment on fixed interest, or maybe more, some of the junk bonds that they call junk, but actually most of them, you know, the default rate on junk bonds is quite low. It might increase, but, you know, you can research a bond just as easily as you can research a share. You're looking for the same thing. So our skills on analysing equity are very much transferable to bonds. Or, I think, because the clip sizes to buy bonds in is, 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 is large, too large for most of us, you know, a buying a bond fund is, is might be a, a sensible thing. So I might look into that. Or I might not, I don't know. I don't, trouble is, I do I do like more exciting things, and I haven't got a big enough pot, really, to want to lock in. Um, I'll, be, I'll be maybe looking to do that sort of thing in 10 or 15 years' time, if I'm still around, which I hopefully will be. Anyway, I think that's covered everything half an hour's long enough, isn't it? So, really, the core message this week from me is, as always, I think interest rate policy is severely wrong and destructive, um, that may well push us into a recession next year. Um, so let's just hope to God they, 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 you know, at least pause and then start reducing. Um, inflation, we just don't know. There are credible voices saying that it's going to be sticky and high in the UK. There are equally credible voices saying it's going to plunge rapidly. So we just don't know. Either could happen. I I think I'm probably leaning more towards it dropping quite rapidly towards the end of this year and in early 2024. That seems to me sensible when you look at how much input prices are dropping. Uh, but a lot of it depends, as the Telegraph said today, a lot of it depends on Ukraine war, doesn't it? And energy supply. If we have a really cold winter and if Putin turns off the gas, it's going to really cause problems. But we're now apparently importing much larger amounts of LNG from America. Um, and all, again, bungled policy on the North Sea means that you know we're just going to end up importing loads more gas instead of using our own bloody gas that we've got on the doorstep. Oh, Christ almighty. It's a miracle we have any economic growth at all, isn't it? When you think of all the uh, ridiculous self-destructive policies um, that generally um, have been going on. Oh, but that's the way, isn't it? Businesses crack on with things despite governments, not 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 helped by governments, I have to say. Anyway, I think those are the key messages, aren't they? We're just absolute uncertainty over inflation. We know it's coming down, but we don't know how much and how fast. Interest rates... I think a disaster. Uh, but overall, the UK economy is doing better, I think, than, than many people expected. And we've not gone into recession, whereas the Eurozone has, which blows apart a lot of these um, 
politically motivated commentators who seem to want Britain to do badly. And, you know, a plague on their houses, I say. You know, I think regardless of your view on Brexit, I think we should all pull together and make a success of this country, not um, slag ourselves off all the time. You know, let's be a little bit patriotic and um, be optimistic about the future because these problems always pass eventually. But a lot of it depends, I think, hinges on what happens in Ukraine. You know, I really hope they get some sort of negotiated settlement there. Obviously, in an ideal world, I think most of us would like to see the Russians completely repelled. But, you know... there are parts of Ukraine where where the populations identify as Russian and want to be part of Russia. But look, it's complicated, isn't it? And we don't want to get into the politics. You know, I I just hope that some sort of solution is found. We all do. And then, of course... That opens the door to energy normalising, and you could then have a very nice economic recovery. And of course, well, the most important thing is we don't want to see any more people killed, isn't it? Uh, the absolute devastation that the Russians have, have wreaked on Ukraine, you know, is just uh, is just is just appalling. I think, but obviously it's a, it's a much bigger issue, and you know, there's question marks over NATO and the EU, and it's complicated. Uh, we won't get into that alright that's enough for this week thank you very much for listening as always do post your comments um, on Stockopedia because my own website I'm not publishing these on my own website anymore it's too much hassle and it's been it's been compromised somehow by a, an online Viagra store so um, I don't know how that happened but this is what happens when you get clueless uh, former accountants trying to run websites <laughs> It's much better to outsource it. All right, I'm waffling, so I'll start. Bye.